0: relay fm this is upgrade episode 189 for April 16, 2018. I am Jason Snell, and I am not usually the person who reads this part, but Mike Hurley is on assignment. He's in the United States for the Atlanta Pen Show, and you can check out that special live episode of the Pen Addict. Uh, this episode, by the way, brought to you by Fresh Books, pingdom and PCalc. And my special co-host for this episode, uh, returning triumphantly, is Mr. Merlin Mann. Hi, Merlin. Hey buddy, how's it
1: going? Thanks for having me on.
0: It's pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you coming on uh, my podcast, because Mike abandoned me. Have a pretty busy day today? Nah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, nobody cares about any of that. It's important that we get to Snell Talk. (laughs) Oh, yes. We have a question this week for Snell Talk. This Uh is from uh, listener Mm Mahir. Listener Mahir would like to ask Jason, how's the weather today? Hmm. Good question. Excellent question. I like this a lot. I'm so glad Mike's not <laughs> I, here. I picked this one up myself. <laughs> um,
0: the, the, so it was a really nice sunny day. Nice, really nice spring day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Today, clouds are rolling in, winds picking up. It's going to rain later oh, for
1: you too. Man. Cause we share the weather you and I. Well, thank you to listen to me here. This is a, uh, <laughs> it's a trick question. Cause it also gives me the chance to say thank you. To Jason, who gave me much help in picking out, I, I've, I've been envious of your weather setup for a long time. Well, not your weather that you get, but envious of your uh, weather monitoring uh, panopticon for a mm-hmm. long time. And That's you were right. very helpful I have very to me. A small robot that floats around in my backyard <laughs> measuring I'm things. I'm very wet. I'm very <laughs> wet again. And uh, so you were very instrumental, and in, uh, it was actually a challenge on another show I do to do something about the weather. And uh, and you really were very helpful. And now I have a weather station and i can uh, without looking outside i can find out like how foggy it is it's really nice yeah it's cool i i like it too i'm always
0: fascinated by the weather and um i keep remembering it's going to be a sad day when my weather station finally dies but like i installed it when my son it was my during my paternity leave when my son was born and you know he's about to go into high school so that thing's been out there a long time and it still it still works which is which is pretty great and um and I'm glad. So I'm welcome to the world of the weather stations. You, you, um, you got a,
1: it's come a long way since 2004. Yeah. It, it really has the, the prices of the prices have come down. And I mean, the thing that I always want to say to people, this is why I sought you out as my rabbi, is that you do have to be careful, read very carefully. And in my case, I had two bullets that really I needed to hit. You know, one of them was that like a lot of them that you get, they're really a weather monitor. Where it just goes to a, an ugly screen in your house. So, I right. a I wanted one that uh, would be able to connect to the internet and b uh, would be compatible with the other weather underground network. And uh, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to set up, but you just set it up once and it goes. And now I can see my weather from anywhere. It's the best.
0: Yeah, the weather underground is the big thing. When I when I got mine. Um, first off, I, mine came with a really ugly console, which we still have. Um, the nice thing about it is that that's got like a little um, interface plug that used to go to your PC parallel port or whatever. That used, to, that used to be the only way. Right, and then your PC would run the software. And one of the nice things that's allowed me to keep using this 2004 vintage weather station is that um, they, that company, still uses that same technology for their console and everything. And they released, a, a few years ago, they released a uh, an IP module that's basically like an Ethernet port and so okay. now that's plugged into to the console and the console receives the data from the weather station and just sends it down the my home network to the internet, and that's great. Like that solves so many problems. But because back in the day, it was all about just being on the computer, and now these lower cost weather stations. I mean, some of them are just monitors, and they'll give you a little screen that you can look at. Um, but some of them, you know, if you get the ones that are kind of Wi-Fi enabled, or they've got a little little uh, a smart home base station or something, they'll talk to the internet, and they'll either you know work with like software that you can install on your Mac if you want to do it that way. But most of them will go to a cloud service, and a lot of them will go to Weather Underground, at which point, you know, you're in their little network of personal weather stations and they generate a page for your station that sits there and, you know, you don't have to build your own page like I had to do back in the day. They, they've got a, yeah. a personal weather station page. And so that it, and you're, giving, yeah. you're
1: giving back to the community a little bit. It's nice. I mean, you're you're helping people to... I mean, one nice thing, I just sent you the very ugly monitor that, that I bought for this that I can't believe my wife lets me have in the house. But, but one <laughs> (laughs) thing that's nice is you get this nice kind of like arsenal of, of tools like between general weather underground plus dark sky, plus this, plus I got to say IFTTT, uh, it's, it's really super handy so i can do stuff like say hey you know let me know if the temperature tonight is going to drop at uh, my station's going to drop below like uh i think i said arbitrarily something like 64 degrees but like tell me if it's going to be cool enough that i might want to turn the heat on before bed you know and we'll just leave it on yeah. all the time but um i i realize this is weather nerd stuff but i did want the opportunity to publicly thank you for that i'm actually really really enjoying it
0: i am glad i'm glad you are and of course i'm happy to help people with their weather station needs because i'm apparently that guy um i <laughs> I had, a, I had a thing, oh, I should also mention I have a thing called Bitbar, which is this like open source utility you can search for it. I think it was designed by a guy who wanted to track like Bitcoin prices but um <laughs> but it's actually brilliant and I think it puts a little
1: more power and, here and, and, and I think he
0: remi- I think he realized that it had wider application, and so he revised it to be a little more broad and you you can I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to it, but Bitbar is cool because it's um it'll put anything in your menu bar like literally it'll put anything in your menu bar that you can Kinda think like, of kind of like
1: is a little bit like 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 the late belated uh, status bar or status um you know, the, the panic app that doesn't work That's killing me right now Well, the the, stav- the create, like-
0: well that, that was like pretty This is like it puts it in your Mac menu bar So okay. it's basically like But you can put anything there So he built, he wrote it for like Bitcoin prices But um, it's it just uses You can use like command line To put anything in your menu bar And so I now have My current temperature for my weather station In my Mac menu bar Which is, wow. which is cool Because it's literally My weather station software has a um, I could probably query like the API For Weather Underground, but my weather station has uh, a file it generates every two minutes that's literally like just the temperature. And all the script does is say, hey, Love that file, put that in the menu bar, and that's all it does. Um, there's some emoji that pop up for, like, if it's raining or whatever. And it, it actually has a little thing in parentheses that's like the temperature diff between now and this time yesterday, which is can be very useful where it's like, whoa, it's way colder today. Like, that, that's, that's, I like that stuff.
1: You also marked me a little bit here because you put in one simple line of text and I've already ordered something. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to. Did you it buy so a metric time? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people about this. This is so nerdy and cool.
0: So I have, for a long time, we used to have those, um, The first they were slim devices, and then they were Logitech squeeze boxes, the music players. Yeah. And that was our, before Sonos, that was kind of how we did digital music in our house. And... Uh, I love those things. And then Logitech bought them and ruined them because that's what Logitech does. But Mm -hmm. I kept one around because it's got a, it's got a plug-in for a custom clock. And, and so we had this place in the living room right above the TV that showed the current time and the current temperature based on the weather station. It was really cool. And it's gotten to the point now where it's, it's those things are all kind of dying, uh, but we still have a couple that work. Um, but the, uh, i don't use them for music anymore they're literally they just sit there turned off with the clock showing because because it's something that we use and i talked to my wife about it and and she's like oh yeah I, I look at that all the time and i bought i bought a little sensor to stick outside and a couple little like plastic things that you can just look at to see the outside temperature it's not the same they don't have the same application and it was it was big like the text you could sit on the couch and you could see the time and the temperature um and then i was up at twit The other week, well, this actually, a few months ago, I was up there doing screensavers with Leo Laporte, Mm -hmm. and right behind their set for screensavers, they've got a whole bunch of junk, like screens and and little gadgets and stuff, and they had this little box that's showing the time, and it's
1: these little white
0: squares
1: in a grid. If if you're old enough, if you're you're as old as we are, you'll remember this, it looks kind of like the display on the Goodyear blimp. Uh, Yeah, that's right, because it's
0: a grid. I, I used to, I had a model Goodyear blimp. Tidy when to. I was a kid, and you could even the like, same you one could you could like color in the things and yes. slide them in, and then turn it on, and it would make <laughs> it like totally a little... had that because you know kids want to run the scoreboard on the side of a blimp. We are yeah. just down in San Jose.
1: We saw the Goodyear blimp. It was just there. Sure. It was just there hanging out. It's very blocky, but look at all the stuff that this and, thing does.
0: And it's super bright, and part of its part of it's uh, capable of being in color. And it seems to be designed as a like a desk clock, and it's got buttons on it, so you can have a bunch of different plugins that show different kinds of data, and you can have them rotate, or you can like have an interface. And I think there's like a music player aspect and it'll connect to bluetooth there's a bunch of other stuff that it does but um i just saw it as a screen and i, I was really worried when i was up at, at twit that this was some like arduino or um raspberry right. pi project that involves soldering because let me tell you Mm-mm. i'm not interested in projects that involve soldering that's where i draw the line <laughs> if, if if hot metal molten metal is involved i am out i'm, I'm right. out of there right. I, I can't do that so i'm up there a couple weeks ago and i say to leo um, what is this thing? Because I finally remembered to ask, because I, I, I just had it in the back of my mind, like, oh, I, I wonder if that is a solution to my problem. And I, I'm girding myself for the, well, there will be soldering kind of moment. <laughs> and he says, oh yeah, it's, it's the thing, uh, it's the limetric time. It's, uh, the, yeah, you can just buy it on online. He says it's a little expensive though. And I thought to myself, oh, geez, I'm going to go there and I'm going to find that it's the perfect solution. It's going to cost $700. Right. And it's $200. It's not cheap. He, he, he's right, but at the same time like i i thought about it and i was like no but this is the an- literally the answer to this thing i have google searched so many different things to find something that will do what i need uh, I've looked at so many different things that say they're connected displays that turned out to be like um, something you put out of, outside of Walmart, which is like, no, no, that's <laughs> overkill from like, my living like room. Like one of
1: those Costco open-close signs. Yeah, yeah, something, <laughs> it's a
0: scoreboard for a baseball park. It's like, it's too <laughs> right. much. So I I did what what you may have just done, which is while I was standing there prepping the show that we were about to record for Twit, I just bought it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I had to build an app. Um, which like literally is just loading again another text file. It's like a little JSON formatted file on my on my server that shows the temp and the time. It took me about half an hour to figure that out, and that's it. The squeeze box got pulled out. The limetric time is now where it used to be. It's brighter. Um, the display is lower resolution, but um, but it's so big and bright. It's really easy to read. And all it is doing is saying like. 222 61 degrees. That's all it's all it's doing and it totally does it. So that was a fun little project and also um uh weather related. So there you go. It's a fun well gadget. Done. If it was not sitting up above my TV, I might actually play with some of the other plugins and stuff. But for now, it's like, that's 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 all I want, is I want a really bright display that shows the time and the current temperature from my own weather station. And I don't well, know I bet, any other I bet you find
1: out how your Bitcoin's doing, probably. I could. I mm-hmm. certainly could.
0: In fact, there's the Limetric <laughs> website shows you all sorts of interesting things you can do with Limetric time, um, many of which are completely ludicrous. I like the one with the uh, the big exclamation point that says, gas, gas leak. leak. That's That's, yeah. that's my favorite too is in case you don't notice that there's a gas leak your clock will show say gas leak on it so that's useful
1: so we should probably thank listener Mihir very much for the question and and if people have questions for you jason uh, what do they do they go onto the twitter and they use that the hashtag, hashtag uh, Snell talk. Snell talk.
0: yeah and it can be about anything even the weather even the weather it's true we have um a, we have much more to talk about actually uh, but uh, we have
1: a little bit of follow-up. But, but I made you blow twenty minutes on weather. <laughs> yep,
0: I love it. It's great. The cats away, the mice are playing. That's just how it is. Uh, let's talk about uh, some follow-up first, which is old speakers. I have that we just put this in right before the show started. Old speakers, because I was telling you about this verge story uh, from Heim That is, it's a funny story, um, which is my AirPlay speakers have become obsolete because their app hasn't been updated in four years. Subhead mistakes were made. And the idea is basically he's got these AirPlay speakers that are on his Wi-Fi network. And he says, I can never change my Wi-Fi network's name or password ever again, or my speakers will stop working because the only way to set their settings is to use an app. And the
1: app is 32-bit, so it doesn't run anymore amazing right it is and i I think this is a problem we're going to start seeing more and more of i mean i already feel this pain with iot stuff i mean because just coming into the whole internet of things environment I mean, it's generous to call it the Wild West. When you get into things like, is it Ar- Arduino? Is that what it's called? I think um, so.
0: I don't know. It Does it involve soldering?
1: Don't ask me. No soldering. No soldering allowed. Hey, how, how, how comfortable are you with Linux? Uh, you, you get that stuff, you get the You get <laughs> The soldering pie. of
0: computers is what Linux <laughs> is. Computer equivalent but, of soldering,
1: yeah. I mean, I haven't gone that far, but I, it does kind of frustrate me a little bit that some stuff, you know, obviously, for various Apple reasons, doesn't work with HomeKit. HomeKit is not on the Mac yet. You know, there's frustrating oh. things about that. But there's also just this idea that I, I suspect that one reason people are reluctant to get into this, privacy stuff aside, very important, very much understand the privacy concerns, but also just the fact that like there's not... It's sort of like... Um, I don't even remember what the other one's called anymore. Uh, Blu-ray versus... H- HD DVD. Right. <laughs> I found has one not of those been... the other day. I was like, oh, look, it's my HD right. DVD that I can't play anywhere. Betamax versus VHS. Mm-hmm. That, that That really has not shaken out, except in this case, there's at least three or four big players. And in the case, there was that one dingus that Google bought out that was like the uh, be-all, do-all meta hub, and then they just kind of discontinued support for that. And that can be real frustrating. You're not going to, I mean, what if you went out and invested something along the lines of a Sonos system, and then all of a sudden they just lost interest in updating the app? I mean, now you're, you're kind of stuck.
0: Uh, Mike and I have talked about this, but it's like I, I really don't like the idea that um, my my purchase of a thermostat two years ago suddenly will dictate all future like purchases I have to make for my home because I, it turns out that I have fallen into a uh, you know a, a walled garden without my knowledge and now I'm stuck right. inside it um, this case is interesting uh, somebody pointed out by the way and and tweeted at uh, Neelay Patel from The Verge that uh, the good news is <laughs> that these Knox speakers even though their they're, their app is 32 bit so you can't run it anymore you could maybe find an old phone somebody's got but um, they also run a uh, an un, apparently unpassworded uh, web server in them so so if you can find their IP address on your local network, you can just go there and change the settings there, which that's the good news. The bad news is, yes, your <laughs> speakers have been running an unsecured uh, web server for the entire time that you've had them. So, you know, mm. but I, thanks, I'm, the guy, thanks, <laughs> I'm the guy with the uh,
1: iPod Hi-Fi. So what do I know? Yeah, it's old, it's I still got some old... Um Jam boxes kicking around that we actually don't use too much now that we listen on. uh, I mean, we do some Bluetooth speakering, but most of it is with speakers that are capable of other things as well. And I was really amazed. I just fired a couple of these up the other day and charged them and they still work. I have not had luck running the Jawbone app to do the full update that that's being a little bulky for me. And the truth is you have to be a pretty canny Googler. I don't think they make those speakers anymore. Um, they're, they're all in on the, Uh, what are they called? Like little Fitbit style dingus. Right, right. Uh, I forget what it's called, but that's, that's what they're, that's what, uh, JobMonus is is all in on now. Yes, right. So you do have to do a little bit of canny Googling just to even find the app that you need. And then once you run the app, it runs in your menu bar. It wants to be on all the time. And then when you click on my devices, it actually takes you to a web page. Uh, on the web, that then I guess is handshaking somehow with the app on your Mac, and and of course uh, now I have because I have a MacBook, I had numerous dongles just to get to even that point, so it, it becomes hard to, to trace exactly what you need to do to get your speakers up to date.
0: Mm. Yeah, this and this is the thing that um, smart tech is cool, but you are putting yourself at risk of being obsolete for. For computer reasons, instead, like again, the iPod Hi-Fi, yeah, it's got a dock connector on top, and that's dead. And it was charging via firewire, so it was dead actually. Even before the dock connector was out, it was really incompatible. But it's got the it's got the three and a half inch plug, which is not yet incompatible with my
1: computer, so that's good. It's uh, savage, but it works. I saw somebody over the weekend saying something along the lines of, "Oh, this is my life now. I just had to reboot a light switch."
0: Yeah. Oh, I I did a um I did a light bulb firmware update at one point, and that was like, well. This is so it's come to this.
1: Yeah, you gotta make sure they're all on. Make sure they're all <laughs>
0: talking about my little metric time clock thingy. I mean, the the difference between that and the squeeze box is the squeeze box ran some server software, which while. Um, While branded by Logitech, the way that Slim Devices put it together originally, it's an open source project and it runs in Perl. So Hmm. theoretically, if you maintain this squeeze box hardware, um, you might have to write some stuff yourself or you might like lose features. They used to support more streaming services and all of those APIs died and there's nobody there to update them from a corporation that can make a deal. So they all kind of died. I mean, there's stuff that died, but the core server is in Perl. It just runs and it runs fine. And that's my fear with the Limetric Time stuff is like, I have to kind of go to their app, and, and and although I can make an app on their website, and I can point it at, at it, all it's doing is calling my server. Mm-hmm. I do have this moment where I realize if that company goes out of business, unless they're very very nice in relocating the intellectual property somewhere, that thing will just die. And there's nothing I can do about it. And that's just, I it, it bugs me, but at the same time, that's the trade-off. Is like, so much of what we have now, you are making a trade-off for privacy, or you're making a trade-off of inconvenience or being in a walled garden, or you're taking a risk, whether it's something like this, or it's a Kickstarter project, you're taking a risk, like, I hope they don't die and don't get bought by somebody who kills all the products, which is what happened when Logitech bought Slim Devices. So, you know, you're you're, you're making gambles all over the place. So, obsolescence isn't what it used to be that's what i'm really saying here <laughs> obsolescence
1: 2.0 yeah
0: yeah that's right now now about to be replaced with a 3.0 beta
1: of obsolescence but
0: i don't know old speakers those the casey Alyssa's dad's old uh, record player probably still is fine
1: that's yeah, all I'm but saying. Those, all those records still sound so
0: warm. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. It's the ritual, Marlon. Mm-hmm. It's the <laughs> a warming ritual. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about on this show, and we're just getting started. So let me tell you about our first sponsor. How do sponsors
1: work on Upgrade, Marlon? I don't know. Jason, why don't you tell me about something you like? I, you know, I do a lot of freelance work. I, I need people to, to pay me money for things, and I'm, I'm always wondering, what do I do? I'm sitting here with my invoice in my hand. What what I am going to do? I'm going to go into Microsoft Word. I'm going to pull up a template. Let me tell you what you do. What do I do? You
0: use our friends at FreshBooks. Fresh 192 hours, but no more, up to, but not more than 192 hours. I don't know how they calculated that out with their cloud accounting
1: software for freelancers. Please, please, in your ad read, please be sure to mention this it will not exceed 192 hours. <laughs> They're ridiculously easy to use. I have people who use Fresh Boys, Books
0: to invoice me, and I pay those invoices immediately, basically, because it's so convenient. The invoice comes and then I, uh, I, I pay it and we're done. And they know that I've seen it and they know that I've paid it. FreshBooks simplifies invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid. It will reduce the time that freelancers need to deal with their pay- paperwork. More than 10 million people who deal with this stuff. And it's not why you get into this business, whatever business you're in. Like Nobody says, you know, I'm going to quit my job and go out on my own as a freelancer because I really like invoicing. That's the thing that I want to do. The Nobody, nobody does that. Um, you don't say, I don't like to bug, I want to bug people who haven't paid me. I want late payments. Like, I, I love late payments that I can bug people and try to catch money I think out of them. I think there's a own. cat in
1: one of the Richard scary books, and that's all it aspires us to be, to be is to, grow up to be someone who bugs people about getting paid.
0: But FreshBooks lets you, it automates the late uh, payment reminders, so you can spend less time chasing those payments and more time doing your job, which is the way to do it. And when you email a client an invoice, you do get to see that they've seen it. So if they're like, oh, I don't know, I must have missed that one. You could, you can, this is now a personal choice, but you can say, mm, well, actually, three 3 days ago you opened that email. So give me my money. But you know, it's a tool in the arsenal because in the end you can do what you love, but you got to get paid. You got to pay the rent. You got to buy food, and that is something that Freshbooks helps you do. If you're not using Freshbooks yet, guess what? Try it try it now. You can try it for 30 days for free because you're an Upgrade listener. You don't have to give them your credit card or anything. Just go to FreshBooks.com slash Upgrade. Enter Upgrade in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That lets them know that you heard about it here. Thank you, FreshBooks, for
1: supporting Upgrade for up to 192 hours. Just Great sponsor. In some ways, it's a shame that they Frame it as invoicing, because the invoicing part is you know just computers do that, but the way that they provide you those payment gateways gateways that changes everything you know you 're not out there waiting for a check like a sucker I mean mm. people can just pay if they want to use a credit card, they could do that it makes it so easy very nice uh, this is a str- segment we do if you 're not
0: familiar with the upgrade program Merlin uh, called upstream upstream it, it's a it's a it's a new new ish segment <laughs> where we talk about uh about the you know apple. Is we talk about Apple a lot, and Apple is making this foray into the video streaming services. It's going to have its own service next year, sometime probably. Um, that's the that's the story now, and there is a lot of action going on there. Now, you know, I talk about this with Tim Goodman from the Hollywood Reporter on uh, TV Talk Machine, a podcast I do with him on Fridays. Uh, but uh, Mike and I try to talk about it from the kind of bringing it to the tech podcast world and talking about it in that in that context and what Apple's up to. And last week, Apple was up to something because they made a deal with, I guess, the estate of Isaac Asimov to get the rights to a TV show about uh, based on the foundation books, which have basically never been adapted. A bunch of people have tried and failed, but this is now set up with a production company. They and David Goyer and Josh Friedman are the creatives behind it. And so, Apple, I guess, didn't make the deal with the Asmov estate. Apple made the deal with a production company that had already made that deal, but it's like a whole chain of, of deals. I hope they use Fresh Books um, that <laughs> let them do this thing. And it's fascinating because uh, foundation. I read this and like Foundation was a very important early science fiction work. It's been incredibly influential. But if you go back and read them and I did a couple years ago for the Incomparable, what you find is it's not really written for I would say a modern audience. It's it's Asimov was an ideas guy and he was brimming with ideas. He was not really a characters guy or a plot Guy, like those are not, so you read the books and you 're like it 's almost as if Gene Roddenberry dropped down like the Bible for Star Trek, but no episodes and then walked away, or like two episodes, like a pilot a couple pilot episodes, and that was it, and so I actually think this foundation thing might might be a good idea. Because it puts the responsibility of uh, of kind of creating the the, uh, the the details of the story, the characters, and the plot lines in the hands of the the creative TV people, using Asimov's work as kind of just the base, instead of having like a whole bunch of well loved characters, everybody knows them, they know what they look like, they know what they're supposed to do, they know exactly what the plot is, sort of like uh, Game of Thrones was like up until they ran out of books, um, and so uh, like I think this may be better. Like, it's it's still a gamble, because everything is a gamble.
1: But I think this might be better. I don't know if you've read Foundation or, or not, but... I haven't, but I, but I read your article, a very good article about on Six Colors. And I, I, I think I, I agree with you. It's, you know, it's... First of all, if Tim, for whatever reason, can ever not make it onto the podcast, and you need somebody to sit in and have red wine, please have me, because okay. I love that show. All right. The Times of Confusion, Platinum TV, it's... Uh, so much I, television I, out there. I'm so interested. I, I feel like you, me, and Joe Steele could do it just do a show about this stuff because I am finding it increasingly very interesting. Um, not specifically with regard to Apple and uh, foundation, but like just the way that stuff like Netflix, I talked about this on, um, some show, I want to say back to work one of the many podcasts that you're on, <laughs> but it was talking about how, you know, I, for, for one thing, uh, Oh no, it was with uh, systematic with Brett, Brett Terpstra. And I was thinking how, you know, it's, in the same way that I think people don't think of themselves as computer users and Apple users as much as they used to, we do still think about, about ourselves as consumers of content. And, you know, in an age where you can get Netflix on almost any kind of device, like if it's got a light up screen, yep. like you can pretty much get Netflix on it. And I, I feel like that's sneaking in. Everybody gets that Netflix is a big deal. We have that experience. We had this experience yesterday. We turned on Netflix. Guess what? Lost in space. Rated PG. I can watch with my kid. Uh When I had no idea this was coming, here's this (laughs) thing on there, and I I don't know. I mean, I know this is just a a quickie for Upstream, but like, can you update me? And see, now, me, I understand the TV landscape flawlessly, but but I thought you might want to explain to your listeners where where do you think Apple is going with the addition of stuff like this? Do you think they're gonna get more into I mean, this is interesting because there are people who've read these books and love them. And I know they're very influential, but it's not the same kind of nostalgia, reboot, update idea that you see with a lot of things. And what you're describing here, this can be heavily modernized for, for a current world. I mean, do you think, I don't know, I'm just curious what you think about how this fits in. I, I consume a ton of Hulu, a ton of Netflix, giant amounts of YouTube. I'm still tr- struggling to understand where the Apple TV offering is going to fit into my world. And I I know you've talked about it, but as you get more pieces to that puzzle, where do you see it fitting into the if not today's ecosystem, the emerging ecosystem of streaming services?
0: I think the reason this is the Platinum Age and the reason there's too much TV is because it's a land rush because everybody's realizing that um, the digital revolution means that you don't need access to a cable system in order to get your content out there and to build a business. And actually, Disney's really excited about it because, um, because they, they released their new streaming service, ESPN Plus, which is like a $5 a month or $6 a month uh, streaming service. And they talked again and as they've talked for a while now about this idea that they want to become increasingly direct to consumer Company and you know eliminating the middleman and saying basically you pay Disney and Disney gives you content and they like that mm-hmm. right they they like just yes give give us the cash and we'll give you your Star Wars shows and we'll give you your Marvel shows and we'll give you uh, ESPN you know we'll give you some uh, hurling and uh, rugby and things the second division soccer on uh, on ESPN Plus and uh, you know they they are able to do that now because they've got uh, you can just use the internet. And for streaming. And Apple wants to be in that conversation. I think that's that's a big part of this is I, I think it's unrealistic to think that in five years or 10 years, um, there are going to be dozens and dozens of $10 a month video streaming services, all of which are paying top shelf creators to do 20 shows a year of, uh, you know, 20 series of 12 or 10 episodes a year for billions of dollars. Like, it's not sustainable, I think. It
1: makes this feel a little bit like the Pets.com era, where like, oh yeah, we know, we know it's a loss leader to deliver this giant cat food for, you know, for free or for $5 or whatever. And but
0: I think there's going to be a crash where, yeah. um, where the people who are working in television now, a lot of, I think a lot of the jobs will go away eventually, because I think in the end, it won't be sustainable to the degree it is now. I don't know how brutal a crash it will be but i think there will be one and this is when i talk to people and they're like another streaming service i don't want to spend another ten dollars a month for another streaming service and i mean first off they're not mandatory like it was just like if you heard about a great show on hbo and you weren't paying for hbo you could grouse about it but you know there was a solution which is you could pay for hbo and get it or you just don't and you don't and those are kind of your choices um but i do think that in the long run we won't be paying for 15 different streaming services stuff's going to get bundled together um and you're you know you're going to be sort of cutting the cord eventually. Everybody is going to not be thinking of television as like paying for cable TV. It's all going to be streaming services. Amazon's aggressively bundling services together inside of Prime Video already. Stuff like that's going to continue happening um, where you can buy services inside of other services or you can buy bundles. And, you know, Apple wants in on all of that. Apple wants something exclusive, I think, that will probably only run on their stuff. I think they want that.
1: That's key. That's key. So you feel like this will run probably on Apple TV. You don't think this is something you'll get on a Roku.
0: I don't think it is. I think that that's just, that would be really interesting if that happened, but I, it would be contrary to all of Apple's strategy up to now. I mean, the only I think the only reason Apple Music's on Android is because Beats was on Android and so they decided to keep to keep it around, but I think ultimately this is the reason Apple's spending this money is primarily to attach people to um to Apple's Platforms And Apple wants to be in the game and Apple wants to be considered and Apple wants to be one of those big players and help set the set the scene here and they want to be ultimately they want to be one of the last ones left standing when when the music stops like because there will be a right. reckoning and Apple has the money to be a player. I think that's what you see with a lot of this stuff is who's got the money to ante up for this this game because it's a high stakes game. And if you aren't paying top-notch creators and getting great content. And, you know, the story is that Jeff Bezos told the people at Amazon, he wants the next Game of Thrones. He doesn't want, like, little quirky comedies that win Golden Globe Awards. As much as I liked Mozart in the Jungle, which just got canceled, um, it was not going to be a worldwide phenomenon. And and that's the shifting to a blockbuster uh, uh, approach to it. Like, I want that Game of Thrones. I want that blockbuster. I think that's all part of this, which is people want the huge hits, the must-watches because they want to be indispensable because there will come a time when there are so many different services that people are going to be forced to choose which ones Mm -hmm. they're going to stay with and that's going to probably kill you know, not necessarily kill the niche players that are kind of like, you know, like something like Acorn, Acorn that's just like yeah. British TV and other European TV and other Commonwealth TV.
1: Or like, um, like I, for, for people younger than us, um, Crunchyroll. Exactly, right. I, mean, I, I see Crunchyroll show up on, on Roku or, or Apple TV or whatever, and it's just, I don't think about it, but um, my daughter's friends watch tons of anime yeah, on and
0: that. And th- those, I think, have a real chance to succeed, although they might also get kind of bought and
1: sucked into a
0: bigger player. But like, the big players who are like the game they're playing is prestige television scripted. Mm-hmm. Like, how many of those can make it? Like, we w- there was a time when there was literally just HBO and Showtime, and now we have kind of a, a, this increasing number of people playing that game. And Netflix has taken it to a whole, you know, even higher level. And you can do that for a while, but in the end, I don't think I don't think the world is going to accept. Ten of those, or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. that's. Uh, th- I think there will be a reckoning at some point. But Apple just, you know, Apple wants to be in the game. Apple wants to be talked about, and I think Apple really does want something to break through where everybody's like, Oh my god, I need that Ron Moore sci-fi show, or I need I need amazing stories, or I need the uh, the Jennifer Aniston uh, Reese Witherspoon drama that, that is a buzzworthy drama, or whatever show breaks through, or shows break through because that's good for them. Because then they're like, Well, yeah, you can you can only watch that on your iPhone. Or your
1: iPad or your Apple TV? The only thing that... Gosh, i got a lot of thoughts about this, and I know we're still early in the show. But it feels like they're doing a play, like with Amazon Prime in some ways. It seems like they're maybe skating where the puck was. It feels like they're doing a little bit of an HBO play, where they they sure. want the, the, the prestige. It's just that HBO can run on a lot of different things. The thing that I find... um concerning again we haven't seen much there's nothing to look at yet to to evaluate this right. but it just feels like that venn diagram gets pretty tight of people who have apple products and would want this particular thing they're closing off a lot of the markets is a little bit like the days when you you know steve initially didn't want ipods to work sure. with windows you know that that kind of thing
0: i i agree that the, like if they wanted the streaming service to be the most successful it could be as a streaming service you'd want it everywhere right i'm not sure that apple as a company is investing in a streaming service because they want to have a successful streaming service business right like maybe Mm -hmm. they do maybe they've completely changed their approach and the services line in their budget is about like anything it could be literally anything you could think of as a service. It doesn't have to be tied to Apple's hardware or platforms in any other way. But I have a hard time believing that. I I, I think in the end, they see it as a means to an end, which is getting people in their ecosystem and not just making uh, whatever, $10 a month off of somebody who's using a Roku box. But I could be wrong.
1: I mean, that would be a very different thing for them. It It contributes to developing and growing, I hate when people use that verb that way, uh, but basically trying to get more of a halo effect. The idea is, like, you love your iPhone, now check out these other things.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and maybe a little bit of, like, oh, that's a really buzzworthy show, but you got to have an Apple device to watch it, or you have to wait, <laughs> and and that they want that. Kind, kind want of like s-
1: the Star Trek show, sort of, with CBS a little bit?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's, uh, that with CBS, they're really just trying to build a business. I, I think the, the smart thing, because that makes Star Trek fans really angry about the fact that in the U.S., it's Netflix every Everywhere else but the U.S. and Canada. But Star Trek fans in the U.S. are really grumpy that that show got on uh, CBS All Access and not on something else. So it was basically, you need to pay for
1: this one show. And that that sounds made... like nobody, nobody particularly loves using that app.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. So, the funny thing about it is, though, that was, I think, from a business perspective, as far as I can tell, a great success for them because they got a lot of people to sign up for cbs all access their streaming service and they're trying to build that service and they got names and they got people to advertise to and some of them maybe stayed as subscribers and some of them will come back next time and uh and they did it all with a show that the netflix purchase basically paid for so everything was about building a future business Hmm. and making a profit on it and uh it was an investment for them and they could have it would have been easier for them to take a bigger profit and be on netflix everywhere in the world but in the u.s they're like yeah but we want to build our own. We want to have our own thing. And CBS doesn't do it the way other companies do it, but they do have a strategy and they have been very successful as a business. Um, There are a lot of stories about how, you know, there's rumors about Viacom and CBS coming back together because they used to be together and they got split apart. And the funny thing about the story is that 10 years ago when they got split apart, CBS was viewed as this legacy business uh, that it was like good luck, Les Moonves, head of CBS, with your legacy network business. Whereas the cable TV business was viewed as this like that was the shining right. growth opportunity. And now, when when the owner uh, or like majority sh- shareholder of both is trying to get them both together again, Sherry Redstone, the perception is like CBS doesn't want to touch Viacom because CBS has actually been very profitable and successful, and Viacom is seen as being
1: uh, troubled. That's one of my favorite ops running off. Observations from Tim on on uh, TV Tuck Machine is just that idea of like, hey CBS, you know, you may not make it into the power rankings too often, but like keep doing what you're doing. It's not for me, but like it's working. It's a successful business, and that's for the thing demo. about Star
0: Trek. It's like Star Trek fans are grumpy about it being on the, that show being on CBS All Access, but it was a good business move. Like it was a really smart business move. I think the real question is, do they have the budget? And do they have? I, I know they've got some ambition, but do they have the budget to build that thing into something that people keep as a subscription year round? And they have like like three or four original shows on it now. So, so I, I keep thinking, and as a Star Trek fan, I will admit that this is also uh, some, some wish casting happening here, but (laughs) I keep thinking you own Star Trek, you have a streaming service. Um, Why are you not developing multiple Star Trek shows now? You launched one, you got a second season of that coming, like put your money in here cuz this is a franchise you could you could run with and get people to subscribe but instead yeah. they've got like they've got the Star Trek thing and they've got like the Good Wife spin-off and they've got a comedy have a comedy show and i think there's another drama that's coming and it's just kind of scattershot now so that's the question for CBS is not that it wasn't a bad move it's that like what's your big
1: plan here is it to just yeah are they are they hoping to get a lot of uh, i mean isn't there isn't it fair to say that their demo tends to skew a little older uh well on network but i uh,
0: i think on 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 uh, on streaming there mm-hmm. there it's a much younger audience they said but mm,
1: Times of confusion
0: It is a wacky time uh, I have one other upstream thing I wanted to mention Which is uh, something that also came up on TV Talk Machine Which is Fan TV, which is a really great app It used to be Fan Hatton It's a place where you could go and like find out like Where's that movie, where's that TV show Where's it available, what streaming services is it on Is it for rent or for sale at iTunes or Amazon Is it on cable Where is it And it died
1: <laughs> it <laughs> So died. it's already well and truly dead I think
0: it died today
1: I think today oh, is the day of
0: death of Fan TV, um, and it got bought by Tivo, or or maybe Rovio, which became Tivo, and it just got sucked into the maw of that intellectual property whirlwind and mm-hmm. uh is gone so a lot of people were asking like well what app should i use or web service should i use to track my shows whether it's like what show should i watch now or whether it's can i stream this in this place or in that place and i have a few recommendations for people like i, I heard from a bunch of people last week about this that uh, just watch.com is great that uh there's tracked.tv t-r-a-k-t.tv tvtime.com and there are apps for most of these these things too somebody recommended can i stream it which is literally can i stream dot it <laughs> um, although last time i used it it was not reliable for me it was saying things were not streamable that were
1: can i stream it use was the first one i knew yeah. of for doing that but it's been pretty undependable the um yeah just watch has something i like a lot which is once you go in and get your account set up you get to basically pick which of the streaming services you want uh, which makes it a lot easier to go in and find stuff. So you could say like, well, you know, I'd be willing to buy it from here, but not from there. And then when you bring in something like, what's it called? Movie, like uh, I know this is movies, not TV, but movies anywhere. Have you talked about that much here? Uh, we talked about it a little bit. The, 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 I mean, boy, such a fascinating time right now of like, you know, when you get your stuff, like where where does that exist? Where can you get it? Where, do, where does it live? You know, Siri on Apple TV helps with that uh, an okay amount. It doesn't gobble up all of the apps. But well,
0: that's, that's the trick, right? Is like, w- are the apps right. willing to put them themselves in the search. My TiVo, honestly, and this is why they bought Fan TV. I think My TiVo does a great job. My TiVo actually has a pretty good job of knowing what streaming, based on the streaming services it supports. Anyway, it can say, "Oh, so this show." Is I on. could get
1: I could get Seinfeld reruns from any of these places. Well, and it'll say this show's current season is
0: on CBS, but the past seasons on Hulu, and it'll show you all the episodes. And the ones that are on Hulu will play on Hulu, and the ones that are on CBS, you can record on CBS, and it does it that way for everything, which is pretty. TV, pretty TV Times,
1: TV Times, cool too. I, I don't use the website much but i do use it on my phone um that really wants to be like i guess like all of these it really wants to be kind of a maybe along the lines of letterbox for movies it wants to be a social network it wants to be something right. where you're sharing it with people and they're 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 you know seeing your reviews and stuff but tv time's pretty good i just load it up with all the shows especially ones that aren't like like when's doctor who come back on and stuff like that all the shows my all the great shows. <laughs> They're all in there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I also just want to mention, this is not strictly germane, but if you don't know about this, uh, listeners, uh, flexible is very, very good. It's not for tracking, but it does one thing very well, and that is, it is a website that shows you basically sorted by date when stuff got added to netflix so if like me you've ever struggled to figure out what's new you know there is new stuff but in their infinite scrolling interface the infinite carousel of Mm -hmm. hell uh flixable is really great they have a tab for movies a tab for tv it's a great way to just pop in every week or two and say oh did i miss anything like here's this spate of like you know uh, indian subcontinent sitcoms that they've added or whatever but you'll also see. There's wild, wild country. Here's stuff that was recently added to keep you from losing your mind as a Netflix uh, user. Try flexible f l i x a b l e dot com.
0: Uh, I have some other topics for us to talk about, but let me say uh, some words about our next sponsor. This is Pingdom. Pingdom. Awesome people at Pingdom. And why are they awesome? Because they keep websites online. They keep the sites you love and your sites from crashing or from crashing too long. Get somebody on it immediately. Pingdom monitors sites so you don't have to. They will check and alert you immediately if something is going wrong. And there's stuff going wrong on the internet all the time, and I don't just mean the human beings. Mm -hmm. I also mean the computers. 13 million outages every month are detected by Pingdom. That's more than 400,000 a day. So whether you've got a little website like mine, or a huge infrastructure with a bunch of complex pieces, it's important to make sure that your website and all the pieces that run it are available and running at regular speed, because sometimes you can have something that's running, but it's bogged down in some way. And Pingdom can check that out. You don't want your site to be down and not know about it until you get an angry customer who emails you or tweets at you and says... You, Angry your, people your on site's Twitter? Down? Your what? sites <laughs> down? I had this happen with The Incomparable the other week where Greg Noss was doing a software update and the server went down and I got this and I was at, where was I? Was I, I was th- I was like at a baseball game or I was at a movie or something like that. And I emerged and it was like, oh, this, what is wrong? I had this whole thing. But Greg had already taken care of it and I'd already gotten a pingdom warning. I got a pingdom warning and I got Greg saying, yeah, I broke the site, but it's about to go back up. And then it was fine again. But you got to know that because, yeah, the last thing you want, the best move, the best move is you hear about it it gets fixed and nobody noticed like yeah. nobody had time to send you that email saying i think your website is down is it just me or is it down you're like nope we got it back up it's not even down you were just seeing things that's that <laughs> is great i have done that every now and then where it's like is your site down and i'll reply nope it's up. Just mm-hmm. go. It's fine. What are you talking about? I don't have <laughs> any do idea you what you mean. Because we've, <laughs> me. we've got to back up as quickly as possible. All you have to do with Pingdom is just give them your URL, and uh, that's it. They take care of the rest. And you can get a 14 day free trial and don't have to give them a credit card by going to pingdom.com slash relay FM. That's P I N G D O M dot com slash relay FM and use the code upgrade at checkout. And you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Woo, that's a lot of percents. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pingdom, for supporting this show and Real AFM and presumably making it so that if Stephen breaks the Real AFM website, we hear about it before you do. Because <laughs> that could happen. It's happened before, is all I'm saying. It happens. Uh, some news we should talk about. I wrote, I wrote a. I did a dumb, dumb thing just because I thought it would be funny, and it kind of turned into a bigger thing um it starts with this story though that the apple put a time bomb <laughs> in the latest version of mac os uh it's kind of weird Ten thirteen four came out a couple weeks ago but they put a time bomb in for like thursday the 12th at midnight local time and after that point if you launched an app that was a 32-bit app this is in high sierra In yeah so high sierra only the latest version of high sierra ten thirteen four. So such a catchy set of numbers that is. Um it will put up a little box that says, basically this is an old app <laughs> email the developer, shame them, <laughs> uh, which you shouldn't do. You should you should check on the, your developer's uh, website and see if they've already made a statement about it. And then if they haven't, you could send them a very nice email. I imagine
1: that's what most people do. They probably go and check. They probably do, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it
0: says, this app is not optimized for your Mac. It needs to be updated by its developer. Again, it's not you, it's them, uh, to improve compatibility. Also, by the way, 32-bit Apple apps don't get this warning because Apple does not want you to contact them about their apps that are not being updated. Um, And this is, this is now there's a lot of panic that could happen here and it doesn't need to happen. In fact, I was kind of talking Marco down via sending text messages to Casey when they were doing ATP last week about this, because it had just sort of broken right before. And I'd written my article about it that um, even though, so Apple has said in the past, this is not news that in a future version of Mac OS, 32-bit apps won't run anymore. They have said that. But a key thing... On the uh,
1: infinite timescale.
0: Exactly right. On an infinite timescale. Well, we're no, no software is going to run on an infinite time scale, except Unix. It will be around forever. But what they said at WWDC last year was in uh, the next version of Mac OS, so the one that comes out this fall, um, 32-bit apps... Well, let's see. High Sierra, they said, the one that's out now, will be the last version of macOS to run 32-bit apps without compromise. And I checked on this, because there's some nuance here. Because the implication from that is they will run, mm-hmm. but there will be an unstated compromise. And I I asked around, and I can say, that's that i was told yes that interpretation is exactly right this falls macos updates not going to not run them but there will be an unstated compromise. Who knows what that is? It could be an annoying dialog box, even more annoying than this one. It could be that you have to like, by default, they don't run and you have to reboot and do something and set something in order for it to run. And then Apple can say, ha you don't get this awesome feature at 100% or at all because you're in the wrong mode. There's lots of complexity there that might make you not want to run them, but they they're not going to be completely shut out this fall. But, you know, next fall probably is my guess, right? Maybe not. Maybe not, but hmm. but uh, probably. Which means this is like an eighteen month
1: warning. This is a gentle transition. It's it, but it's definitely one of it's a classic. Sh- it's a classic warning shot from Af- Apple. I mean, yeah. Apple Watchers yeah. will over time realize that when Apple issues this kind of. Well, I guess you could call it a warning, but definitely a heads make up. Make your
0: way toward the exits. Right. Make
1: your way toward the exits.
0: We're not saying that you have to run. There's mm-hmm. plenty of time, but you will need to make your way toward the exits. I don't
1: here. know if it's because of this particular computer I'm on, because I'm an old man and I'm very reluctant to update. My uh, my MacBook, adorable, has High Sierra, but I'm just running Sierra. So, mm-hmm. Um, So when you look at, so you can do this by going to system information and then going to the application subsection in hardware and see which ones are available. I'm seeing a lot, a lot of stuff, including a lot of surprising Apple apps. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Of, that's that's why
0: Apple. I mean, and and to be fair, Apple's got the home field advantage here. App, Apple can keep those 32-bit apps around as long as they want and keep them running, or they can they can only update them to 64-bit when they release the version that you know that that only runs 64-bit. Like they don't they, they they're their own time table right they they but, but for, they for example
1: do you do, do you feel confident that we'll still be able to for example run firmware password utility they'll no probably give that a little uh
0: I, I think not. I think uh, I think I think not. Well, that that's well that brings to old hardware and stuff like that is part of this story, right? Because it's not just old software; it's old hardware. Um, like I did. So the, the dumb thing that I did because I thought it would be funny is I, I when I realized that Apple's apps <laughs> didn't generate the warning, I filed a bug because they always say file a radar. Uh, I filed a radar for QuickTime Player Seven saying, "Oh, QuickTime Player Seven isn't third, isn't sixty four bit, so uh, you should do that." And uh, that was closed with prejudice, (laughs) as we're not going to do that. It's like, all right, fair. So then I wrote another bug report, which was, oh, QuickTime Player 10 doesn't have all these features that are in QuickTime Player 7. And since QuickTime Player 7 is going away you should probably put them in QuickTime Player 10. Check and mate, right? Mm-hmm. That, I'm waiting for that to be closed. It hasn't been closed yet. I'm sure it will. Or, I, or or closed as a duplicate because people have been complaining about this. It's the reason QuickTime Player 7, which is ancient, still runs and is still kicking around is because the, just this weekend, I used it to uh, put a, an audio soundtrack on top of a video that I had that was a different soundtrack. And then we did an incomparable... Uh, like a uh, commentary track about Star Wars and I have a Star Wars MP4 and I have this wave file of our uh, commentary. You did two versions. And I did. Yeah. Cause there's the special editions, which we didn't wow. watch. And then I, you know, basically in quick time, I just like add the audio track in and then export it out as an MP4 and boom, I've got an MP4 with the new audio track in it. It was, you know, this is why we, we keep it around. But, um, Apple's, QuickTime APIs never really got updated for 64-bit. QuickTime Player 10 doesn't apparently really use the old QuickTime at all. It's just kind of QuickTime in name only, or for the most part. Um, Greg Pack, the uh, comic book writer and also uh, sometimes filmmaker, uh, tweeted at me like, oh, does this mean Final Cut uh, 7 is finally going to die? And I was like... Yeah, actually, yeah, it does. That's for all the people who are holding out. And it doesn't mean it's going to stop working, but it means that if you update to the version after the version that comes this fall, it may not run anymore at all. What,
1: what about the old GarageBand? You think the old GarageBand is Oh, yeah, band the old GarageBand
0: just... is, is, is GarageBand 6 or whatever. That's 32-bit. Oh, That'll stop no. running.
1: But he, oh, no. So here's the thing. It's not like if
0: you're really committed to old software, you can keep your old computer with your old software and not update, and you can still use it, and it's okay. The problem is that like if you are fully dedicated to the final cut pro seven lifestyle and you still edit all your movies on it and you don't care like you can keep buying computers that run it up to the point where apple releases an os that doesn't support it at which point you have to just keep using your old computer forever And that's, that's where the incompatibility, incompatibility really hurts you is, oh, I you know, now I can, I can use Final Cut 7 and you use it for several years and you're like, oh, it's fine. And then you, and then your computer breaks and you're like, oh, I guess I need a new Mac. Uh oh, Uh, because, because it won't. And that's, I mean, this is life, right? I mean, software doesn't last forever. OS's always get updated and break old software. This is just a more dramatic kind of large scale example of it but this stuff happens it's just if it's something that you love that is going away it's it's hard so it's not again you can make your way to the exit slowly mm-hmm. but they you know this is apple just continuing to push things along i do wonder about that without compromise though i do wonder if like by default they won't run and there'll be like some whizzy new feature or that uh they introduce this fall that uh will just not work in that mode, and you know so that's the question is like how painful will that compromise be if you're still running thirty two bit apps Oh, the DVD player by the way, dVD player is thirty two bit unclear oh. whether Apple's gonna update that or just say <laughs> uh you, you know run a uh, run a run a virtual machine of uh lion to get that so
1: many Gruber's title case service that I run. Uh, so many of the old uh, eCam utilities.
0: Yeah, well, they're all QuickTime. They can't. They can't go to 64-bit as long as they're based no. on QuickTime. Oh, yeah.
1: It's um, what's going to really suck though is this is also another pretty good example of as many warnings as they give to people. Um, if there is a day where they just cut the cord, mm, think about the, the the terrible mixture of. Let's say you're somebody who is using uh, a Mac with these old apps, and maybe you're not reading the trades. It's just going to be one day they're going to open it up, and they'll be like, what happened to my Mac? Right, right. Because
0: that moment where it's... Well, I think this is part of the compromises story, though. It's like, this fall, that'll happen, is my theory. I think that's maybe the Hmm. most likely thing, is this fall... You remember when they introduced Gatekeeper and suddenly that app you downloaded from some shady place on the Internet and you double clicked it and goes, whoa, you downloaded this from some weird place. And by default, I won't let you run it. But you can go to the system preferences and change it so that I'll let you run it. Fine. Live dangerously. Right. right? Well, I think I think maybe it'll be something like that where you open it up and it'll be like, "Okay, I can't run 32 bit apps in this mode because this is super awesome mode of Mac OS, you know, Monterey Bay Otter. And then you're but you can go in and turn it to less awesome mode and reboot and everything will be kind of drab and gray, but you can run your old apps. And as a user, you're like, oh, hmm, OK, I'll do that. And so, if you do that, then maybe the next year when you update again and it says, "Sorry, super awesome mode is the only mode now, and you can't run 32-bit apps," you'll be a, you'll be a little less surprised. I think you still might be grumpy about it, and you may be surprised. But I feel like this that that actually is one of the values in doing the with compromises step. Is it like it's like no, 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 we're serious. This is going to go away. It like puts it in your this is like this is it puts it in your face once. The next step will be to get it like where you're going to have to start changing settings to run it. And then the final step is it doesn't run.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, it's going to frustrate people. It is. It, 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 it's a performance issue. Is that the idea? I
0: think I think that's part of it. I, like metal doesn't. Metal is a 64-bit thing. Like they want to. It's performance to a degree, but I think it's also just like maintenance. Like it will it will be easier when they can just say everything in the system runs 64-bit clean. We don't have to translate. We don't have to. You know, we, there's nothing we have to do. All the old crud goes away. All that 32-bit code, and that includes like QuickTime. It's like it's gone. Right, 32-bit QuickTime gone uh i imagine that that's less maintenance work and that the system will be will be better for it as a you know as a gestalt as a as an overall Mm -hmm. system right you're ripping out the legacy stuff the problem is when you rip out the legacy stuff you take stuff people are using with it and i mean you could argue that that's one of the reasons windows was so bad for so long is that microsoft's customers did not let them rip anything out ever (laughs) Right.
1: <laughs> right, I mean it was very hard, much harder right. this, than this, Apple. This might need to run on a, like a set top yeah. box in Vietnam. Like we need to keep this. Yeah,
0: exactly right. And so the uh, you know this is going to be Apple's good at transitions, and this is a actually kind of a long and kind one. I'm not saying that people who are angry about it can be angry about it because if you if you're losing your favorite app, it makes sense. I will point out um, for a while now it's been legal to run macOS in a virtual machine and. Uh, as ridiculous as it is, if you have an app that you absolutely have to run and it's a 32-bit app, you could probably make a virtual machine of High Sierra or Sierra or El Capitan or Yosemite or you know a- a- or a- anything that's covered by that license in VMware or Parallels and keep it around and it will run and it's legal to do that with old operating system versions. And that may be one way that people keep some of this stuff alive. I wouldn't recommend using Final Cut. Final Cut Pro Seven in emulation, right? I don't... A- Auntie Sue is not going to
1: do that to no, keep her favorite solitaire game no, going. Well,
0: that and that's 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 where the real bummer is going to happen. Where now, Auntie Sue may just keep her old um, old computer, like. But there's that day well, when the until computer Until they put
1: out that Mac Pro she's been waiting for. Exactly
0: right. Finally, she says, Finally. I've been using this G5 <laughs> for 15 years, and now I'm going to upgrade to the... Turbocharger solitaire. And then there's the thing that Mike and I have been talking about for a while now, which is there's also the rumors... It's the elephant, because the, last week was all of the parables. Um, like the The elephant in the room here is what's the future of the Mac? Because there's like going to 64-bit, and there's the rumors about leaving Intel behind, and there's this question of like, what do they do uh, with? Uh, is there, are they going to do something like the uh, the rumor about Marzipan, where it's like iOS apps that also run on the Mac? The, all these things are swirling around. Because I have those moments where I think, I don't know if if it. <laughs> 32 old 32 bit mac software maybe may not be the only thing we're going to be asked to leave behind on this platform in the next few years. I don't know. Um it's at some point if you leave everything behind there's nothing left. You've you've it's a platform transition and not just a software transition inside a platform, but Apple may test us on that one. Yeah. So anyway, 32 bit apps, check it out. You can find out what apps you're running that are 32 bit. Um first off, if you're running 10.13.4, it will tell you now that we're now that we're past April twelfth, it will tell you the first time you launch it, only the first time.
1: I dropped in a I dropped in a little link to this. Uh, I mean, most most people might not know how to, probably know how to do this, but OS10 Daily has a real quick little how to on using your little Apple menu and finding where you can yeah, locate about these. this
0: Mac. Click on System Report, click on Applications, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the columns is Intel sixty four bit, and it says yes or no. You can even sort it, sort it, and then look at all the no's, all the Adobe apps. <laughs> My Adobe Air updater. Oh no! I, I know. <laughs> I found. <laughs> i found some files that I, I had a welcome to lion or getting started with lion
1: app Oh wow
0: in, deep down in a really weird folder somewhere i sent Stephen hackett because i know he likes really old mac things uh a link to that it was just um yeah i i had welcome to no it was welcome to leopard wow welcome wow, to wow, tiger wow and also a MacBook Pro user's guide for a MacBook Pro that included an Apple remote, a DVI to VGA adapter and a CD drive. So that's like great. That how long has that been in my mini migrations of my my Mac?
1: Nobody needs those ports anymore. No. No. It's not that not that important.
0: Um I wanted to I I wanted to talk to you because you're on this podcast and I want you to explain something. Because there was news about how a new version of the app Drafts is coming out. Drafts, There's Drafts 5, and they've got a Drafts Pro. Uh, and you know, I love Drafts. <laughs> that's the wrong kind of Drafts. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's, that's a like good one. A, you get a ding a, for the for first that. that's pick good. in the draft. I'll pick. The app drafts. But we all get so hard So I want to ask you about this, because I have heard people extol the virtues of drafts. And I have to admit, I think I've never really gotten it. Yeah. And, and I'm somebody who writes things on my iPad and my iPhone. Uh, I write articles on my iPad. I do all sorts of stuff on iOS. And I know people rave about this. And now with this new version coming out, I, I thought I'm going to have somebody on who can probably talk to me about, like, why... You know why this app works, and you know does it change your approach to putting text into an iOS device?
1: Yeah, I just dropped in a link uh, to a uh, podcast I did with Greg Pierce and uh, visiting with Renee Ritchie to talk about Drafts. But you know, everybody has such a different approach and a different mindset. For, for how we use our various devices. And there's a pattern that I fell into on, starting obviously with my phone, uh, that's been a very interesting pattern for me. So first of all, I mean, w- one of the things that's a little bit perplexing about drafts is that uh, when you open it up, it's just kind of like a big text it's field. It's blank. And you're like, "Hmm." It's very blank and there aren't a lot of buttons to click. It's not really clear what you're supposed to do next. And I think uh someone could be forgiven forgiven for thinking it's just like a little that it it really stops at being a diminished version of notes. Like you just type stuff in and I guess that goes somewhere. Um the 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 quick version is that uh, under the hood, drafts can do a lot of stuff to your text that could be text transformations that could be sending it to someplace else uh, in the current version. It's, it's not, it's not at the level of something like workflow. Um, but it, but oh, so it, it, the new version will do a lot of really, really interesting stuff. But rather than get too deep into that, listen to that podcast if you want to hear more. And I think Greg's going to be talking about this a lot in the coming week as the <laughs> yeah. app comes out. But um, I can just tell you why it works for me. Not that it should work for everybody, but there's, any, I don't know, kind of a funny thing I discovered about myself once I started using this app. You know, ordinarily in the past, uh, if I wanted to send somebody a message... Uh, a text message, I go to the message app and start typing. If I wanted to type an email, I hit C, you know, and compose a new message in Gmail. Uh, there are other kinds of things you'd think to put on the calendar. Um, the, the first powerful thing that Drafts does is it can be a starting point for pretty much any kind of text. So I keep that in my little doc, click it, start typing. And then uh, like a common usage for me in the early days was uh, I've always had a particular fetish for being able to send email without seeing the incoming email. So it's for a long time for me, it's been a holy grail to not have to open an email app just to send an email. Because if that's not, if I'm not in the, well, I'm perhaps uh, well-known or notorious for this idea (laughs) that that you shouldn't be doing email all the time. Mm -hmm. You should be checking your email at times when you make time to do something about it. I still really believe that. I don't have any email notifications on, but I do need to send email sometimes. So just as one example, I have a little uh, functionality in there where uh, I type something, I type, uh uh you know, um lunch downtown next week, I type two spaces, I type a little bit of text. Hey Jason, do you want to have lunch at da 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 next week? Love Merlin. And this candy little script knows that in this context for this command, take that first line of text and drafts. That's going to be the subject line of an email. Anything after that line is the body of the email. And so basically I can take my time to type in this little window, type the things I need to say, hit a button, and that then it basically pops open a new mail where I can pop, you know, drop in the person's name, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So on the, on the, the first thing was that became very useful to me because there's lots of times where I, I want a quick way, like, uh, <laughs> something that I've seen Dan Morin suffer from that you suffered from. Anytime you do stuff in his CMS back in the day, mm. you would learn not to type long things in a text area, because you just couldn't trust it. The browser might crash, you lose your work. I'm sure, I imagine you ran into that in the past, trying to be a cowboy. Yeah, don't and, write, and in write the it in the CMS. On, don't write it in the CMS. No. Never. So the, the, the simple way that I found it very useful is, uh, that was a real neat way for me to know that whenever I needed, even if, even if I, I knew exactly where it needed to go, I would often start there. I had the same interface every time I was dealing with text. This is not for everybody, but this is for me. Uh, I didn't want to necessarily open the email app. I didn't want to open the message app. If it's an important thing, I want to look at it. I want to see if there's any red lines under it telling me it's misspelled. i want to look at it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I did that for a pretty good long time. A lot of times what I would just do is one of my scripts takes the first line of the drafts file and anything after it. And so basically it takes the first line and creates a new text file on Dropbox with a date stamp on it. This becomes a great way for things to get from the ephemeral world. I use Dress fairly ephemerally. Um, many people use it for much more than that. I use it as a place to start text and then I often send it somewhere else. Mm. And then I can go into NVALT, uh, TextMate or, uh, editorial on iOS and do, you know, other stuff with it. Okay. So that in itself is pretty useful. I don't know if that's enough to make people want to buy it, but just that first pattern of, always starting your text in this similar kind of area, um, it, it makes you careful about what you're doing and prevents mistakes. But then I noticed a fascinating thing start to happen um, that I would not have noticed if I always went to the supposed destination app to do it. So I discovered that a lot of times something started as an idea. And then I started moving my fingers and something happened. And Once I was open to the idea that the text could go anywhere and I had to think about where it went next, a funny thing happened. I realized that a lot of times I'd start to write something that I thought was going to be a text message, yes, in drafts, and I go, you know what? This is probably better as an email. Ah. I, I changed my mode of thinking, and now I'm writing an email in there instead of a text message. Other times, you're about to write somebody a really snarky email, and you go, Oh, you know what? This would be better to just be a mean subtweet. Maybe I should do that instead. This should
0: be really be an angry blog post denouncing this person.
1: (laughs) Uh, But then there's other ones too where like how often have you started to like basically complain to somebody about something or request something from them and you end up rubber ducking a little bit. And by typing, you start to realize the answer to your own problem. So you could go into drafts and start writing a long, mean email about about this problem that somebody's caused for you. And as you're typing and rubber ducking, you suddenly go, oh, you know what? This actually could just be something that goes to a to-do list, something I can take care of myself. And then you know, maybe sometimes, how about this? Let's, Let's really pop the stack. Maybe you realize as you're about to communicate with somebody, you realize, you know what? I'm really talking to myself and that's okay. This actually needs to go into a diary, or this needs to go into some kind of a running file. You see where I'm going with this. Once you open yourself up to that idea, I think an interesting kind of philosophical change in writing can happen, which is that you say, it doesn't matter where this will end up. Really, it can start. It always should start in drafts. And once I'm done typing the thing that I like, then I decide what to do with it and where it goes. And so that's been really powerful for uh, for me. And it's not even getting into the redonculous number of things that you can do with this. You could send it to Fantastical, where it'll be parsed uh, for for natural language. You could, as I say, send it to Dropbox. You could send it. To, you could append or prepend to a list somewhere. And that's all available. You just kind of slide over to this little menu, and you can send stuff anywhere you want it to be. And yes, you can send it straight to an email app. You can send it to messages. You could send it to wherever you want it to go. Um, There's a rich uh, collection of these things that people put together in a directory where you can find stuff that'll work for you. Um, All all the way down to things like markdown transformations, HTML previews, Hmm. all that kind of stuff is in there. And the language is uh, too sophisticated for me to do from scratch, but easy enough for me to change to do the kinds of things I want to do. So for me, drafts is where all text starts. I like the idea, this is the part that I really get, which is um,
0: instead, it's a, it's a real shift, right? Because we think in terms at least, oh, okay, we, I think, and I think a lot of us have been trained to think in terms of apps on our mm-hmm. Macs and especially on our iOS devices, which is not, I need to write something. It's, I need to open notes for this kind of, what kind of text is this? Then I'll put it in notes. What kind of text is this? I'll put it in reminders. What kind of text is this? Gmail, this one goes to Fantastical, this one goes to Google Docs, this one goes to BB Edit. right? Like in the end, absolutely, absolutely, all you totally of this overhead that is classifying what i think i'm going to do and pick the right tool for the job yeah,
1: it's, it's almost like what app what app wants me to use it right now right
0: right and what you're saying is if you kind of let go of that and just say i'm going to start it in drafts that doesn't preclude you from finishing it somewhere else but it means that you don't actually have to do that overhead before you
1: start Typey typing. That's, you put it very well. And I guess one part I, I should mention, because it's so important, is that it's meant, it kind of wants to be ephemeral, but have a good memory. So you start typing in one of these. Um, and first of all, these are all, these can all be synced. Uh, I think I was doing it through Dropbox. I don't even remember. But now, I mean, in the latest version, it just works great with iCloud. So on all of my devices, all my iOS devices, drafts is running. As soon as I start typing, um, it's basically creating a new file, a new buffer. It just goes into the cloud. And at any time you can go back, you can do a search for any string to find what you're looking for. The new version includes stuff like tags and flagging, if you like that sort of stuff. But but what what you're describing here is like, let's say I get distracted and go somewhere else. so well, I don't have to go save it out of a browser window. It's already saved in there. And I can search all of that stuff very easily. Another nice new thing, uh, not new thing, but a nice feature is you can select the amount of time before it automatically creates a new blank page, saving your old one right? So you might want to set that to five minutes. You might want to set that to one minute where you're like, I'll be working on this to, to, to move around on the phone, come back, copy, paste, do whatever. It's got a great extension where you can create a new file or append and prepend using iOS extensions, which is hugely useful when you're making show notes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um But then th- there's a new thing he's added called, I think it's called focus mode, which is just always leave my last note up uh, until I say otherwise. So yeah, it's it, it's very, it really can be Adjust it to however you like to work, but all it really requires is, all it requires, is the vast change in thinking that says, I'm not going to think about the app till I'm done figuring out what I have to say. Hmm. All right. Thank you for that. I, and, you know, and the guy the guy it. works hard and it's a good app and I want to support him. These are the kinds of apps that have made my life good. And again, I'm not trying. I don't mean this as, uh, as a sales job so much as to say, like, you know, philosophically, if there are apps that mean the world to you, you know, get out there and support them because that's what it takes for them to stay yeah, alive. That's true. And I'm all for people, you know, charging for their work. And I, I would pay for this every year. No, no sweat. All right. I will check out version five. I'll put links
0: in the show notes to their blog posts about what they're doing. Uh, you ready for some ask upgrade? Oh, I certainly am. Wait, no. What's the sound for that? Is that choo choo choo? There's some lasers that happen, but they're warming up now because we have a sponsor before that. And I have to admit, this is uh, breaking news. In what may be a first for upgrade, we have a follow up from a sponsor. Uh, James Thompson, the maker of PCalc, he wrote down here the makers of PCalc. Well, James and Saskia are our TLA systems and they make Pecalk. <laughs> the scientific calculator, I <laughs> doubt It's the, Scot- the Scottish weed. <laughs> I doubt that Saskia approved this text. Anyway, the makers of PCalc, the scientific calculator you didn't even know you needed, would like us to point out that the reverse Polish notation does not, in fact, involve any form of sausages, despite what I said two weeks ago. So just putting wow. it out there, it does not, you don't actually turn around and eat a sausage, and that's not what reverse Polish notation is. I still don't that know seems what it is. This is very misleading. Let me go on because this, this is basically this ad is going to explain why I'm wrong. RPN is actually an alternative way of calculating where you enter the numbers first, followed by the operator. So, six enter, seven multiply would give you the ultimate answer. Of 42. It was popularized by Hewlett Packard with their desktop calculators in the 70s and 80s and caught on especially with scientists and engineers. So now you know, but you don't have to use RPN with PCALC. Of course, that's just one of the many options that let you customize it exactly as you wish. Our friend Dr. Drang has a nice post about how he built his own, like, you can build your own interface you, uh, there's an editing mode where you can move and resize the buttons replace the ones you don't use so you can literally like make pcalc's calculator it doesn't it's got a bunch of layouts built in but you can you can m- customize all of them you can change all of them it's crazy um, and if you bought a new iPad you may be shocked to know the iPad doesn't come with a calculator at all it seems like the kind of thing they'd want to include it seems weird yeah but you can get PCALC. there's a light version that's free contains no invasive adverts as they say in Scotland, Mm -hmm. or analytics, as they also say in Scotland, whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, And if you like it, you can upgrade to the full version and unlock all of the other features. PCALC is available on every single Apple platform. Not kidding. Not kidding. Although, James, it's not yet capable... Okay, uh, let, me, let me phrase it this way. You got it got on HomePod, you can get it on Apple TV. At WWDC <laughs> when they announced that you can do HomePod apps, I am telling you the first HomePod app that will exist <laughs> will be tel- Why Don't You Tell Me That Math Problem by James Thompson. <laughs> uh, but it is, on, it is on Apple Watch, it is on Apple TV if you need to do some calculations on your television, and if they ever release those AR glasses, PCalc will certainly be there with a giant augmented calculator in your face on day one. Search the App store for PCalc or go to PCalc.com slash upgrade for more details. And if you're going to WWDC, find James. He has sweet PCalc pins that he will be giving away. He's a very nice man. And I will also say Sunday, Sunday at the stadium, monster trucks driving around in the about screen. No overpass,
1: no underpass,
0: golden bananas,
1: golden (laughs) bananas. I use PCALC. This is, they didn't tell us to say this. No. I use PCALC every weekday afternoon because my daughter is 10 and she's learning some kind of monkey balls, banana pants math that Uh I don't understand. She does factor rainbows. She does all these things. I don't understand what the hell she's doing. I don't, I don't know how to quote unquote help her, but what I do know is when it is time to figure out some wackadoo division thing where she draws a rainbow in a grid, I will open PCALC and I will check the math for myself in my head to make sure that I did it right. So thank you to James. Is it the new math? Oh, God. Got it's, the, got it's, the it's so it's so confusing. I don't understand it either. There was a whole thing that my that
0: my, both my kids did, where it's like now, you know, cluster the numbers or something, and I'm like, what?
1: Is that a new thing? Oh, um, yeah. You could make it part of the number family or the number story. Yeah, you're like, well, oh, you're m- just saying nouns. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, what does that they mean? They all nestle together, and they love each other. Yeah, when I was your age, when I was your age, we just had to memorize things. Watch out, Merlin. Choo, choo, choo. Oh, ooh, Lasers.
0: Ooh, ow, 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 ow. Lasers time. Man, listener Matt. Says in the context of marzipan and Apple leaving Intel, could apps contain both ARM and x86 instructions? Uh, could, could apps that contain both be feasible? x86 instructions run by emulation on ARM, but an iMac slash mac pro you know contain both arm and x86 for native performance he says we could call them fusion apps and what i'll say to matt is we had these actually the last time they're called fat binaries we had them for the intel power <laughs> PC transition and yes i would imagine if we're going through a processor transition one of the things that apple will let people do is is uh, compile their apps for both processor architectures inside the bundle. Now, that said, they have done some interesting things with app thinning on the App Store. So it's possible that on the App Store, what you'll do is you'll upload both the binaries, and based on what architecture your computer is running only that one will download right that may be the modern version of the fat binary is that you upload all the binaries to the app store and then the, only the right one comes down but fusion apps we called it fat binaries back in the day and it worked fine like they were a little bit bigger they were fat not to shame them but they were they were larger because they contained two executables inside but the bottom line was you just double-click.
1: When, when I was younger, I was I was often criticized for my love of, uh, of curvy apps.
0: Yeah, well, you know... I love my curvy apps. The, back in the day, when we were kids, you could have the uh, like the regular app or the uh, husky app.
1: <laughs> that was
0: your other choice. <laughs> they had a whole
1: section for us at Sears. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Did, with the tough skins and the animals.
1: I'm mm-hmm. glad you explained that uh, to listener Matt, because I, 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 recognize those all as, as English strings. Oh, fat um,
0: binaries? That was the thing. Oh, that mm-hmm. I remember.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure, but this sure.
0: is a x86 arm. There's a lot of
1: confusion going on. It's times of confusion. Well, that's what made me, oh, it's absolutely platinum age. That's why when you were talking about the 32 bit stuff, I was remembering back when was it not Rosetta? What was it called where you could have an old version that would run, not an emulation, but like all the Microsoft apps hadn't been updated. Do you remember these that times? Might
0: have been, well, so there were a couple. There was Rosetta, which was the code translation where it took a PowerPC app that didn't have an Intel version and ran it on an Intel processor. But there was the blue box or whatever they call it, classic, mm-hmm. which is when they were you were running an OS 9 app inside OS 10. And basically in oh, the background, shit. hidden away, there was a copy of OS 9 running. Um, but it would unless you made it, it wouldn't show it to you. It would just show the app. And that app behaved completely differently from all the other apps because it was running in in OS nine in this emul not an emulation layer but it was like a virtual machine kind of layer where it was running a a virtual copy of OS nine inside
1: OS ten. It was super on the weird. on the computer Classic. power of that time. That's mental.
0: Yeah yeah it worked okay Oof. but again i think it shows you that apple's track record of sort of bending over backwards to smooth a transition as much as possible while not being afraid to make them like if they follow that that rule book then we could probably guess about how they're going to do it for any future transitions they're going to do they're pretty good at it historically yeah, um yeah, at, yeah. but not afraid to make them but but pretty good at, at, at taking all the steps and building in incompatibility I mean, they, took, they took kaleidoscope away i was no, that's true i was thinking about um how microsoft's doing their arm version of windows 10 and it's the same thing. They've got a code translation engine for x86 apps. They run slow, but they run. And it's like, yeah, that's how you have to do that. As opposed to the mm-hmm. old version of Windows RT that they tried, where it was like, yeah, it doesn't, don't even try. Now they actually try. It's it's good. Um, Lister Matthew wrote in. To say, do you think if Apple do decide to use their A-series chips in the MacBook, they would enable cellular connectivity for Mac? Something like an Apple SIM built in and LTE bands. So the idea that maybe one of the things you could pick up if you leave Intel behind is, uh, is cellular Macs. And I don't think these things are, prim- are, are particularly connected I felt for a while now like the big problem to doing cellular connectivity on the Mac is that the Mac OS needs to be updated to be smart enough to like control who uses the network connection when you're in a cellular mode. Like Mm. add in a thing like I use trip mode. And they could do something like Trip Mode, although it's a little bit fiddly. Where like literally, you say when I'm on cellular, this app doesn't get to use the network because it's photos, and it's going to kill my. That's what's kept me from getting connection. all
1: in on it. Is it's a little like little, little bit like little snitch. Yeah. Where there's a lot of breaking in time yeah. and gets in your face for a while time. when you're when you're configuring yeah. it. So now, if Apple could do that,
0: I think that's the, I think that's more likely the thing. Is Apple really? evangelizing developers and saying we're going to do cellular max and by default your your apps aren't going to aren't going to be able to use the cell network and you're going to have to opt in with these very particular things in order to, for us not to kill the data allowances of all of our users i think that's what they
1: need to do like uh, listener marco i uh it seems it does seem on the one hand crazy to me that they can't do that especially after you've had a cellular ipad you, you know it's, it's hard to look back it seems crazy they can not do to it happen. they just have not
0: ever prioritized it for whatever reason right. i think
1: it's strange but they just haven't done it do you it. think
0: part of its battery concerns uh it could be it could be the battery is part of it um although the you know mac batteries are are way bigger than than like phone batteries um they cuz they use they use more power um i don't know i it's it's i i've heard people say
1: that they thought it was licensing issues although well i mean just to, just because it seems to stand a reason from a logical standpoint that you're most likely to use lte when you're not plugged in it's when you're somewhere that's not your house or somewhere that has wi-fi it's true although sometimes i mean i use now that i've got lte in my ipad i
0: use it in at, at my starbucks and they've got wi-fi but it's terrible and i just don't bother Anymore.
1: I just I tell what blows me away is is going and staying at a hotel or going anywhere with that terrible, you know, free Wi Fi, yeah. unprotected Wi Fi. And the first thing I do when I'm doing the cost benefit of it, even if it's free, is <laughs> is just do a speed test. And last time we did that when we were in Los Angeles, it was mind boggling. I mean, it was something like ten times faster to use LTE over the Wi Fi. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah.
0: Listener Wayne wrote in to say couldn't. The, the creatives that Apple has hired so that they can observe them building products for the pro team be the ones who edit all of their TV shows.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's that's a good idea yeah I I
0: think that's I I think there's like in the lab I think maybe yeah could Apple ask for access full access to the professionals who are editing their shows but the way it works is Apple is giving money to a production company and the production company is handing them a finished show that's happening in it's not (laughs) a yeah it's not a a thing where there's in the middle there's a there's some some people over at Apple who are editing
1: those shows for them and I think that that you know maybe they could get access to those things those people Uh, of all the things where we get frustrated with Apple. One of the ones that I find, and I'm not, I, I am not pining for a Mac Pro, like, as much as some of my friends are. I'd love to see it just to know that Apple's still in the game, but of all of the things, that's that's the one that sticks out the most to me, of, like, really? Like, <laughs> you, you can't see how people would want a really, really tricked-out desktop machine and a really, really tricked-out um, laptop. That's the one where, like, that just, there's got to be something strategic behind why they are not doing, especially the kind of MacBook Pro that I'd like to have.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, Strange. Strange. I think they're doing, you know, I don't know. They they have... I, I've had a couple people ask, this is not technically an ask upgrade question, but I've had a, a bunch of people say, uh, it's sort of like the bigger conspiracy theory, which is that, could it be that the reason that the Mac development has been so sluggish for the last few years is that everything Apple is doing is for this transitional platform where they're going to switch right. everybody over, and it's like, we don't even want to make a new Mac over here because in three years you're going to be buying this new thing that's not quite a Mac
1: and that's This is become unveils. the Apple version of, of QAnon, where like there's this one thing that explains everything except it doesn't really make any sense
0: yeah and and my answer is yes it
1: is possible
0: in fact we know it it is certain that there are people i mean i don't even have to go as far as secret like i think that i think the answer is yes apple has retasked it a lot of its people to work on an arm-based platform it's ios (laughs) ios <laughs> and the <laughs> ipad and the iphone and that's what and that's what is happening there you don't need a big conspiracy could there be people pulled off who are working on getting mac os on arm ready to go or building kind of a proof proofs of concept of uh, future mac hardware that is kind of hybridized is it or is running on mm-hmm. you know running an arm uh you know arm laptop but running a version of mac os or a hybrid of mac os and ios yeah i think it's entirely possible i i don't know if that that is you know the, those people getting pulled off is the reason why your particular bugaboo about what apple is doing is actually happening i that that seems less likely but it's it's possible it's i mean yeah. they, i'm sure they're working on skunk skunkworks projects some of which we will never see and some of which will be the mac we're using in in 2 years i'm sure of both of those things Listener Corey wrote in to say, I want to ask upgrade when we might hear more from a podcast tutorial segment. I would love your input. And my answer there is keep watching the skies, Corey. Um, Mike and I are currently planning, I'm going to pre promote it now. It's springtime. Mike and I are currently planning the summer of fun.
1: Ooh, wow. The summer
0: of fun is returning, the upgrade summer of fun. It is returning for a new the season of fun in the summer <laughs> fun 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 takes planning there's a bunch of things going on. so mike's getting married this summer and going on mm-hmm. his honeymoon. And that means that there are huge gaps in the upgrade schedule while he's getting married and on his honeymoon. And that not to mention the fact that I'm going to Europe with my family for a family vacation that ends that culminates in us going to London and being at Mike's wedding. So we have we have a whole mess of a summer schedule. The summer schedule being a mess is what causes the upgrade summer of fun because it forces us to pre-record some stuff and come up with some evergreen topics and some special episodes, like when we draft at old Max that one time. That was part of the Summer of Fun. So pod- podcast tutorials right in your wheel. So I think we're going to do a podcasting episode as Excellent. part of the Summer of Fun. So, uh, you know, I can't tell you when, but I think it will be during the Summer of Fun. So stay tuned for that, Corey. Um, this is a great question. Uh, listener Richard asked, what's your ratio of compliments... Uh, To moaners for Upgrade, (laughs) do you get a lot of haters? And I'm going to say the same thing that I think Marco talks about on ATP a lot, which is, you know, podcasts, it's a lot harder to be a hater of a podcast because you have to put in a huge time investment. And it's harder to just drive by. You, You get them because it's the internet, but it's a lot harder. And I would say most of the feedback we get is very nice. People are helpful. They tell us things that we don't know. They tell us things that we do know. They give us nice compliments. They have a criticism about something. But I'd say they all, not all, mostly seem so invested in the podcast that they're trying to help or they're trying to provide constructive criticism. And I don't mind the constructive stuff, and I, you know, people are people, and they have everybody's got their weird take on it. But what I really don't like is the people who are not invested. They don't know who you are. They don't know why you're doing what you're doing. There's no context, like the guy who is um, complaining to me about uh, my silly post about quick time oh, a lot of issues with player yeah. 10 or QuickTime player seven where it was like you you don't understand the context of this but you know why not just do a drive-by unloading on somebody else on the internet and podcasts it's harder to do that and that is one of the things that makes podcasts great
1: one thing I try to always keep in mind, and I'm I'm not just saying this for clapping, but you know, it's really nice that people listen. And there's something special about podcasts in that people get a very strong relationship. Um, if they end up liking it and listening often, you feel like you have a relationship with that person. And sometimes um, what one might say to somebody else, it feels like you know them well enough that they would know the tone that you, that you mean to strike. So I think a lot of times it's just because people are very, very involved and they feel strongly about the topics, you know, that, that you're talking about. I mean, the only request that I would make is like, let's, let's at least try and misunderstand each other in, in thoughtful ways. Like let's, let's try and assume sure. that, 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 neither, neither of us is deliberately trying to be a, a bad human being. And, and if we both agree to that, then you can have a dialogue with people, but you know, it's just pe- people I, I'm the same way. There's all kinds of times where I, I almost say kind of silly things to people because I assume they'll know who I am and will get my tone based on the fact that I've listened to hundreds of hours of their podcast. When in fact, I would just come off, I would come off as a loon.
0: Yeah, that, that is, we, we talked about, about that, um, after Mike went to PodCon and I went to see the Flophouse live, uh, where Absolutely. and you were there too at uh, at the, the Flop House, and and um, it was. That
1: that is something that is. That was, hard a, that was a really good conversation you guys had. Thank That you. was, it was that very was, good. Um,
0: mm-hmm. The asymmetry of the relationship between an audience and somebody who's making the thing, and it does lead to some weird moments where it's like I know your voice, I know your anecdotes. Sometimes people know the anecdotes way better than I do. They're like, oh, it's like that time. Oh, usually, it's usually. like that time in January of 2016 when right, you I can't had a believe you didn't mention that summer job you had. I'm like, what? How do you even know that? And it's like, well, you mentioned. Right. On upgrade episode 28 and I'm like oh my god right so so that's the challenges but I've seen it from both sides so it's the the example I gave uh, the other day in a slack somewhere was was you know I can meet Dan McCoy and I could say hi Dan uh, I like your cat Archie who I've never met but I've seen you post your pictures <laughs> on the Instagram of, of Archie and he's great and I'm sorry about your old cat who died that was very sad we were all very sad for you and, and it's like yeah I could do that that's super weird but
1: the fact is I do know the name of Dan's cat and I have seen oh. this cat absolutely on i we were my daughter and i were hanging out this morning and uh i got a notification at 9am on my phone that uh, <laughs> The Griffin, Griffin McElroy's birthday is in two days. And I, I experienced that on so many levels because my first thought was, oh, and, and my daughter and I were like, oh, we should, we should send him something with clowns or a mobile phone and like like some kind of inject. We should send him a birthday present. And then I was like, you know, we probably shouldn't probably send not. him a yeah. birthday present. And I probably should not have his birthday on my phone. What is wrong with me? Why do, why do I need to know his birthday? And now I feel like a creep. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. I think that's, that's,
0: if you're a listener, you have to kind of strike that, that like they don't know you... But you know them and and be, you know, walk, walk softly and be, you know, be careful. And then if you are on the other side of it, which I occasionally am, and it blows me away that I am that fortunate enough to have people who like come up to you and tell you they like the stuff that you do, because that is a super oh, please special, do that. I love wonderful do that. <laughs> thing, right? Um, <laughs> yes, it's incumbent on it. <laughs> us and responsible for us to understand that there's asymmetry and that we are in their ears and that they know all these things about us and that it isn't, it, it it's unusual in terms of like how our brains are wired, but it's nice and normal. And that, and, and um, I'm really bad at taking compliments. I'm terrible at it. It makes me want to go you are, hide. You are horrible. It makes me want it. to run away. And I have gotten much better at being able to say it because the truth is I, it is very kind when people say nice things about you, but you have to remember, like you don't know them, but they know you. And I, I feel like if all of us just, know understand what the what the what the relationship is and that like you said these are people who are everybody here is a good person and we're having a good time uh then then it all works out fine but it is it's yeah. a little bit strange let's let's, let's be excellent to each yeah. other and that but that's why i also like like being on the other side of it because that was like in short succession i got both sides of that of, so of, of being, yeah. being you know going up to the people who are on a podcast that i listen to all the time and know all the details about and can say oh it's like that time like at that moment where Elliot Kalin tweeted about how he was with his kid at Traintown in Sonoma and I replied back and I was like right. hey and all he did was show a picture of 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 a, an object at Traintown and I was like hey it's Traintown and, and I wrote him again and I said I'm sorry. I am now Twitter stalking you. It's just like we used to take our kids to train town. I didn't mean to like out your right. location where the, the, you know, the helicopters are coming now to get you. That's not what I was trying to do there. But I had that moment where like, did I cross the line? He was very nice. He was like, no, no, no. It's a great place for kids. We're up here visiting, um, you know, my wife's family. And I didn't respond. I know your wife's name is Danielle and her parents Danielle, are from mm-hmm. Sonoma County. <laughs> a little too creepy. So you brought Sammy there? yeah that's right you bought your your son (laughs) his name is sammy uh yeah yeah so anyway it's a funny world we live in um i got one more uh ask upgrade we're gonna go out on this one it's listener andy who said hey mike who's not here are you planning on covering the facebook testimony uh anywhere within the quiver of your podcast it would be interesting to hear yours and or snell's that's me He used my last name, uh, extended take and Andy, uh, we haven't covered it here. I don't know if we will given the timing of all of this, but I recommend the download podcast to you, which I do every week and it posts on Thursday afternoon specific time and we record it on Thursday morning specific time. It's at FM slash download and it's covering the news of the week across all sorts of tech topics and we have covered Facebook there like three out of the last four weeks because it's all
1: Facebook all the time. So if you want to hear it, and I'm in there. I will endorse that podcast because first of all the, the format for it is great. I mean you do a medium deep dive on two topics with really really good guests. You get such smart. There's that one like uh, industry analyst woman you have have on i forget her name uh, uh right natalie jarvie from the hollywood report that's what i'm thinking of streaming
0: analyst right and of course you get lisa lisa's a regular lisa is on there all the time yeah
1: yeah, it's a really good show. Yeah, Highly recommended. Thank
0: you, Merlin for all endorsement. the great shows. All the great shows. Well, Merlin, thank you so much
1: for being on Upgrade. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. It
0: was it was so fun. And we have like there's so much more we could have talked about. I know. We could have gone, gone on and on and on. We didn't talk about Apple leaks.
1: We'll have to do that next time. Dark Sky says it's gonna start drizzling soon <laughs> at my house.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. See, we've brought it all the way back around to the weather. It's yeah, it's, looking, it's looking rainy out there. Thanks to listener Mihir again for having us talk about the weather. Now that we're now that our cruel anti weather overlord Mike curly is out of the out of the room we can talk about the weather on a podcast Finally. this is what people tune in for that's right thank you also to our sponsors fresh books pingdom and Peakalk. and of course you can find me on twitter at jay snell you can find merlin on twitter at hot dogs ladies and of course merlin is the host of reconcilable differences on this very podcast network And I'm the host of a lot of podcasts on this very podcast network too. It's John Syracuse's show, but he lets me come on. It's nice. Uh, which one of us was the bad cop today, Merlin? Was it me? Was it you?
1: <laughs> Am I in the barrel? See, on this show, I think we're both we're both the good cop. I think on we here. are because,
0: as we just said about five minutes ago, the important thing is that just to act like everybody is the good cop. Yeah,
1: man, we're all just people. Everybody's a good cop. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Well, thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of Upgrade. Mike will be back next week to chastise me about all the ways that I ruined Upgrade this week. But I don't care. <laughs> it's foggy out. Say goodbye, Merlin man.
1: Goodbye, Mike. What?